Welcome to Monsters and Demons, Cold Case MHS, where real education meets real life. I'm your host, Randy Hubbard, and I'm also the instructor for the Mason High School Cold Case Program, and we thank you for listening. The emptiness of a loss of someone that's close to you, it's, it's never going to go away. It'll get better over time, but it will, it'll, never, it'll never fade. This has been the most tragic, devastating experience of our lives. And the last thing we did is we hugged and told each other we loved each other. And that was the last time I saw our life. Hi, I'm Reagan. I'm Brennan. I'm Carly. I'm Zoe. Hey, I'm Nick. And, and we're, we're the Cold Case program. program. And we are seniors at Mason High School in Mason, Ohio. We are dedicated to reevaluating cold cases and offering police departments new avenues to investigate. In our program, groups of students are given two semesters to research and educate themselves on cold cases in the surrounding area. But this isn't just any group of students. Our class is highly selective and requires certain prerequisite courses to claim eligibility. We are mature, persistent, and highly motivated young adults and we want to lend our skills to you. But what separates us from everyone else? Being our age, we can offer new perspectives to age-old cases. We are also able to provide time and dedications to these cases to alleviate some pressure police departments may feel. We want to become a resource for police by offering our time and manpower to prevent these cases from going completely cold. All the students in the class had to pass a required prerequisite that in units on victimology, criminal psychology, and the process of documenting a crime scene. This allows us to have a basic understanding of how to analyze the cases we research. Most of our research is done through public records to become familiar with aspects of the case. We then attempt to contact other resources and important law enforcement personnel to further our understanding of the case. Now we understand most police won't feel comfortable sharing investigations with members of our program. We understand that some of these cases are still active and per Ordinance 149.43, police departments can decide what information they choose to give us. We want to assure to all who work with the Cold Case Program that all members are willing to sign NDA on any information police give us. Also, we promise to not release any information without police permission. This is a standard we take very seriously because of how much we value the trust between our program and the departments we work with. We are not under the impression that we will be able to completely solve these cases. Our goal is to provide assistance to the police departments without disrupting the current evidence they already have. We would appreciate the experience and education from the police departments that would help our program. The William Mason High School Cold Case Program thinks all to have helped us grow and continue to educate students in the criminal justice field. If you'd like to reach us, you can either contact us through email or via our multiple social media accounts. And for more information, check out our website. Thank you. In an article published by the U.S. Department of Justice on July 10th of 2019, the FBI Uniform Crime Report estimated there were nearly 250,000 unsolved murders in the United States. In Ohio alone, there's nearly 2,500 cases on the Attorney General's page, and that's not including those that haven't been reported. These crimes have taken the lives of so many people, but have captured the attention of millions. The violent departure from Earth of a loved one cuts deep into the souls of family, friends, and even those detectives that have worked so hard to try to solve these cases. The emotion for some causes them to break while others, it becomes their obsession to seek justice. Demons in the darkness can't see the 
Listen to some of the conversations the students and I've had with family members and friends of the victim or the professionals that work on their cases, you can't help but get caught up in their entry. Their raw emotions draw you in. You're hooked. Face it, you can't get out until you hear the end of the story. It's like a TV show that you have to binge watch. You have your innocent victim that falls to the monster lurking in the dark. Next, the investigation keeps you on the edge of your seat. Then the crime gets solved with an exciting ending. But unfortunately in these stories, there is no ending. Wait, what? No ending? What do you mean no ending? You mean no one has found the killer? What about justice for the victim? Exactly. What about the justice for these victims? Who's going to speak for them? Why wasn't someone held accountable? Unfortunately, these are the answers everyone is looking for. They always find someone on CSI. we're talking about here. Normally we would have a story about the victim's lives before their fateful day. We would talk about the crime that was committed, the investigation that followed, and where that story is today. But actually we're going to go in a different direction. This podcast is about our class here at Mason High School. We'll discuss how we got started, why students want to take the class, and what are the benefits of a class like Cold Case MHS. We will talk to the students from the past and the present. We will speak with administrators from the building to hear their insight on the class. We will also talk with law enforcement professionals about the importance of an education like this and how we can help our community. But first, I really need to thank some people. I want to say thank you to Ms. Jenna Brandt, a former MHS student. She has written and performed the music on this podcast. Jenna's music, including Monsters and Demons, can be heard on all music streaming services under her performing name of Genocide, J-E-N-N-A-C-I-D-E. She can also be found on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Jenna Brandt, B-R-A-N-T. I would also like to thank the administration of Mason High School and Mason City Schools for their continued support of our class. Now back to our podcast. Okay, as most of you have figured out, this isn't your normal true crime podcast. In our series to follow this one, we will dive into the cases our students are working on to bring you the true crime stories. But on this podcast, we want to show you what we are trying to accomplish. 
like all good things in life, it will take some time for us to establish the program to be that cooperating asset used by police departments, prosecutors, or families and friends of victims to thoroughly review old cases. We want to help bring new light to these cases. And who knows, maybe we can bring those monsters and demons out of the darkness. You heard at the beginning the students advertised about our cold case program. By the way, that was completely created and recorded by our students. The video can also be seen on our website, and you can get to our website by going to our Twitter account, which is at MHS Cold Case. Now back to my point, our students have taken this program seriously, and they've established a set of standards to uphold while doing this type of work. They don't just want to be a research group, they want to truly help review these cases that have been lost due to dead ends, lack of money, lack of manpower, or even just time. What I've learned from these students is that they have a different perspective on things because of their age, and that's okay. Often they find things that I can't find, or they see things in a different way than I do. So let's talk about how this idea got started. I also teach a general forensic science class, which deals with different topics such as blood spatter, entomology, anthropology, and criminal psychology, for example. One day in the fall of 2019, a student, Evan Fletcher, and I began a general conversation about cases we had seen on TV. Now, Evan is one of those students that is a very inquisitive young man and likes to find answers on his own. So we began the discussion on what it would be like to research our own cold case. Okay, so I'm sitting here with Evan Fletcher, who graduated last year. But Evan and I kind of started this whole process, and then somewhere along the way we decided it was probably be a pretty good idea for a class and again we were just kind of chatting about it just a second ago but you know, do you remember some of the things about how we got started on this yeah i remember you had shown us a documentary class about the the crystal rogers, crystal rogers. Yeah. yeah and i had found a documentary on my own online um about the smiley face killers so we started discussing it and that's what kind of started the whole interest in the cold cases and then we just started searching our own cases and we came across the Missy Witt case and then that led to the Laney Gwinter case which is the one we're working on and then I started digging in I found a podcast and listened to it started taking notes taking down names and contacting people to try and start finding out information about it Right, and when we did this, um, the Missy Witt case is all the way out in Arkansas, but we started reading the articles, and one of them connected it to Laney Gwinter here in Fairfield, Ohio, and I grew up in Fairfield, so I thought, well, let's let's take a look at that one, and uh, from there, Evan has been the technological genius in this whole thing, because within a day, I said, hey, we need to start contacting these people. He goes, oh, I already have answers. Uh, people already <laughs> call me back, so, uh, which I thought was kind of neat. But as we did it, you know, one of the things that was pretty neat is that you were showing me how to use the technology stuff, um, and I think maybe I was helping you with the logical thinking of who to talk, contact and what directions we should look at and things like that. So it was kind of a neat teamwork that we were doing for a while. And then I think the whole idea behind what you were learning from me and what I was learning from you we thought this would be a great class uh, yeah. because it was kind of a pet project we're, just, we're doing and it's enough of a unique class that you know not every high school has I mean I don't know of any other high school honestly that 
does something like this. Evan has done a great job also contacting people outside that can help us. Through Facebook. Right. And you contacted Adventures with a Purpose. You want to talk a little bit about that group? They're well known on YouTube. They're a search dive team that's kind of non-profit. Um, they take their funds that they make from YouTube and reinvest it back into traveling around the country, trying to find solve cold cases. Reached out to them and kind of gave them a little background about the case that we were working on and the circumstances surrounding it, and they agreed to come out. We had an area of interest that we needed to check, so they agreed to come out and run their sonar over it and even dive on it. Didn't turn out being anything, but the fact that they took time to come out here and clear it at least, it's really cool. As you can see, Evan is a very bright young man, and he and I were so excited about all the unique encounters we were having during this process. We were both learning so much. Now you're talking about Evan teaching this old dog some new tricks, and me sharing what I had learned over the 30 years teaching to take us on this cold case adventure. With some help from some experts, we have been on this trip for over two years now, learning new things all the time. When we return, we will talk to professionals about our idea, and we'll talk to students from the past and the present about cold case MHS. I have a few more people I have to thank along the way. Missy Quartz, who works in our front office here at MHS, always gets my emails and sends out our FOIA request for our class, and I really appreciate her work for us. Also, Adventures with a Purpose, if you get a chance, please go to their YouTube site. These guys are amazing, and they were willing to travel all the way to Ohio to help us with our case. Of course, Evan, for helping me start this and all the faculty and staff at MHS to make it such a great place to work. Starting a class like this has its challenges. Trying to convince people that this is a great opportunity for students to learn in a real world situation takes a little effort. The students are also helping someone in their community. Many of the individuals that we talk to are just so thankful that we've taken the time to actually look into their loved one's case. Now in this next segment, I plan to ask a few simple questions to our administration and a few law enforcement professionals. These discussions were awesome and actually you could make a whole podcast by itself. But due to time, we're gonna have to move on and show you just some of the highlights. In this section, you're gonna hear from Mr. Bobby Dodd, our school principal, Dr. Robin Jordan, our assistant principal. You're also gonna hear from people like Cheryl Mac McCullum a crime scene investigator from Atlanta, and two retired detectives here from Ohio, Scott Thomas and Mark Ryber. I simply asked them what they thought about my crazy idea, and also what are the benefits of having a class like this. I'm not going to do anything but support it. But the way you wanted to craft your class, 
interesting to say the least because uh, once you explain to me a little bit about how a, a different part of the country was using utilizing you know, civilian citizens to to look into cases I, I thought well heck why you know why can't we do that with high school students because we already have a solid program of forensics so uh, to me it just made it made perfect sense to see if we could continue to build something like that to give our kids even more hands-on experiences seems to be on board with the idea. Even many of the police departments that reject our FOIA letters start off with, wow, what a great idea for a class, and we support your efforts. But then they follow it with, but this is an open case and we cannot give you any information at this time. There's that term again, open case, cold case. What does that mean? We'll get into that probably in a later day, but keep that in mind. What do those terms mean? But there's that roadblock. Someday we'll find our way around those roadblocks, but let's take one step at a time. Now let's hear some insight from the most important people in this podcast, the students that are doing all this work. You guys could just tell me a little bit about why did you take cold case? Well, I actually took cold case from taking forensics last year, and I just think it was really interesting to have like a different perspective of a class that instead of having to focus so much on math material or English material, you can actually be able to like use your own head. I liked the more emotional aspect of cold case and I felt there was just a way where you could really dive deep into talking to people and about their past and just everything that they've been through and I just think the fact like that these cases have gone cold for some reason is just super interesting. I took cold case because I like working on real cases and 
getting in contact with like real people. I would always watch on Netflix, they have all those solved and unsolved cases and documentaries about them and it kind of just sucks you in about it. So having the opportunity to take a class and I think you gain real world experience from it really just made me want to do it. I decided to major in forensic science and taking the cold case class is a next step for me to prepare for my major and get real life experience in the career that I want. Like all of us, students find true crime captivating. They want to dig in, find out where these cases are going, and why did they go cold. They want to solve the mysteries that lie beneath the surface. But what they find out very quickly is that crime solving is not that easy. If it was, we wouldn't need this class. So what I try to get across to students is to understand they are building skills for their future, while helping shed a little bit of light into the cases that have fallen into the darkness. We learn fast that solving the crime is not our goal, but developing life skills is. And if we can help police departments or family members along the way, then we're doing something right. Now all classes in school build skills that students can take with them. We all need math, science, English, and history to teach us the basics. But to me, real life experiences are what build our most important skills in life. Things like communicating with people, pushing through setbacks, time management, and organization can really only be enhanced when you're forced to use them. There's a lot of communication skills that you need, being able to talk amongst yourselves, but also to like other people, whether it's other people in the class or in police departments or just everyday people out in public, getting information, just talking to them and making relationships with them. And also just being able to connect dots and problem solve, because not everything's gonna be laid out for you. You're gonna have to put the pieces together. When there might be gaps, you'll have to find a way to merge the information you already have. It was definitely a lot of putting our heads together and trying to brainstorm as a group um, because you can only have so many ideas yourself and so when things when we like got stuck or didn't know where to go we definitely came together as a group and we're like okay so we have this information and this and this and so we tried this but this didn't work overall what do we have what do we need what are ways we could do that um, and just really getting creative the second semester even with an hour special circumstance going through what we went through with covid no one expected that having to battle with those circumstances and i was super proud of my group specifically all the other groups in your other classes and you as a teacher being able to persevere through all of that creative thinking collaborative work and perseverance were things that you heard from the current and former students of this class Characteristics that most students already possess, but very rarely get to exhibit in a real-world situation before venturing off to college or work. One lesson in life that often gets lost in today's social media world is compassion and empathy. It's easy to sit behind a screen name and say things you normally wouldn't say. But when talking to a friend or a family member of a victim, emotions start to pour over you. You feel their pain. You feel their frustrations. But you also feel their gratitude that someone is trying to keep the memory of the victim alive. Everybody in Kenton knew my mom. And like every single person that I've ever run into, they always talk about how amazing of a person she was. I mean, like everybody loved my mom. Talking to Megan, it made everything so real and realized that there are people in the world who are actually dealing with this. And it's not just 
on TV and she's like a real person and a real human with everything that's happened to her. It just made me more appreciative of everything that I have, everything I've been blessed with. This young man was robbed of the opportunity to actually know his mom and to build a relationship with her and, and get his first job and then his mom be there to cheer him on. And I just feel, I just definitely feel for that because I grew up with my mom most of my life. She was single most of my life. And I tried to make her proud with things and I've tried to always help her be there for her and do what. It's just, it, it sucks really bad to think about what if I never knew her, like what, how different my life would be. In the moment, you don't think about it, and then you hang up, and you're writing down your answers, and you're kind of analyzing what's said, and then you like have to take a step back. Oh, this is a real person's life, and people, I feel like everybody I talk to is always so appreciative, whether it was on a chat, like Facebook, or Messenger, over the phone, they were always really appreciative. It makes you feel good, it makes you feel like you're doing something that is a lot bigger than you. and all. As you have listened to the students and others talk about their experience with our class, we hope that you realize it's more than just a class. It's a movement toward real life education, where students learning becomes a bright light in the dark spot of someone's life. Our goals are to expand the program to be an asset to the law enforcement agencies or families that just don't have the time to review those cases that have been stuck deep into a file cabinet. We know the world doesn't stop for these agencies to give them the time to review them, so we can. We have the time, the effort, and the passion to help. Cold Case MHS is working with the Mason City Police Department to develop a training program with their city's detectives so that other departments can trust us. These young adults want to make a difference. They put aside their own troubles, even for just a few hours a week, to help those suffering through many years of heartache and wonder. Cold Case MHS is determined to bring attention to these victims, hoping to one day bring the monsters who are harboring the demons of their past out into the light of justice. In our series, Monsters and Demons, you'll hear the mysteries behind these stories. On October 27, 1989, Amy Mahalvik was abducted from the Bay Village Shopping Center. Days beforehand, Amy received calls from a stranger who claimed to be a friend of her mother's and that she recently got a job promotion. He said he wanted to buy a gift and meet at the local mall. After they met, Amy wasn't seen again until her body was found February 8, 1990 in Ashland County at the side of the road. On the morning of February 14, 2000, a nine-year-old girl named Aisha Degree left her house at 3 a.m. never to be found. Nicknamed Shelby Sweetheart from Shelby, North Carolina. Only wearing her backpack and the clothes on her back, Aisha walked down Highway 18 alone, seen darting into the woods by a driver passing by. The search for Aisha Degree continues to this day, more than 20 years after her mysterious disappearance. December 28, 1964. It was a cool afternoon when Thaddeus Jerez found the body of his 16-year-old daughter, Beverly Ann Jerez. She had been strangled to death and stabbed over 42 times, an act of pure rage. Beverly's life was put to a tragic end, and to this day, justice has not been served. We thank you for listening. Please return to Monsters and Demons with our next episodes. Special thanks to Scott Thomas, Mark Ryber, Cheryl McMcCullum. Laura Petler of the LPA team, the friends and family of Elena Gwinner 
for helping us get started by speaking to us about Luna. Kylie Gigliotti for helping me edit this podcast. The 2020 graduates that were heard on the podcast, Evan Fletcher, Emma Holbert, Matthew Poteet, and Leah Stewart. The 2021 students that are currently in my class. And most of all, the families that allow us to tell their stories. If you're a podcast junkie, make sure to listen to CSI Atlanta with Cheryl McCollum and Karen Greer. And if you like sports, listen to a good friend of mine on the Scott Horman podcast found on Facebook and SoundCloud. The theme song, Monsters and Demons, was written and performed by Genocide. This song and all her music can be heard on all music streaming media and can be found on Facebook and YouTube under Jenna Brandt. Darkness can't see the end of 